Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, and welcome to the last 2023 episode of the Great Women in Compliance Podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. We are sponsored by Corporate Compliance Insights, and I am here to end the year with Hema Lomax, my new co-host for a few months, and the one and only Mary Shirley, our GWIC host emeritus. In 2023, Mary moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, started a new job, and wrote a fabulous book, Living Your Best Compliance Life, 65 Hacks and Cheat Codes to Level Up Your Ethics and Compliance Program. And I would be remiss in not saying CCI Press 2023. So she's been pretty busy since she stopped being here biweekly, but we both thought um, that it would be a great way to end the year to have all three of us get together and talk and reflect a little bit. Um, unlike a lot of our guests, Mary, our listeners know you pretty well. So instead of talking about your job and everything thus far, your experience, but let's um, talk about your new job and what's going on. Wonderful. Mary, you're um, so lucky that you've moved recently to the West Coast. I'm a bit jealous, also a bit upset with us because I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast and then back just before you moved. But tell us how you're settling in on the in sunny California. Oh, thank you, Hema. And I'm really sorry to have missed you. But the obvious upside, of course, is that you are now uh, neighbours with Lisa Fine. That's wonderful. It seems like no matter which coast you're on, you've got one of us. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I need. (laughs) So it's been pretty good. I have to say, as we are heading pretty solidly into winter now, I do not miss the Boston winter compared with this. I walk to work every day and as I think I've mentioned on the show before, fat kid for life, even when I'm slim, I am not a big fan of exercise. And so getting that incidental cardio and being able to walk to work, I think has really been good for me from a health standpoint. So loving being able to do that, loving the beautiful weather, fresh fruit and vegetables. There's a lot of what the Americans call sticker shock, which for the international listeners is when you are confronted with a very high price that you are not, that's basically what it's like to live in California all the time. And the exception is fresh fruit and vegetables. So produce is great, really loving that. And it's just a different culture, I think. So the downsides would be it's really tricky. I find traveling from the West to the East and as someone who's a big sleeper, not a morning person, that part I'm still wrangling with but my tip from our our traveler extraordinaire in the compliance space christy grant hart quick of course uh her tip for me was lots of diet coke so i'm giving that a whirl oh that's wonderful look i don't miss the gas prices for sure i'm very grateful obviously that i'm here with lisa and i can spend a little bit less gas getting across town but you talked about walking to work so you're obviously not worried about the gas prices right now tell us about your new role Absolutely. So walking to work, it's like 20 minutes, basically, door to to desk, which is wonderful. I joined Massimo, which is a medical equipment company that specializes in monitoring technologies, all sorts from when you might be in an operating theater to even wearables, including some over-the-counter type ones as well. And then what I, I get super excited about is the audio line, which is luxury high-end earphones, headphones. And I'm excited about 
that because I love the mainstream products. I think they're very relatable for most people. And I find the gentleman in my life quite difficult to buy for gifts. And so that's a very easy default position now to have wonderful access to fun earphones and headphones. So yeah, leading the compliance function at Massimo about seven months in now, the legal department are just the loveliest individuals. We have a Secret Santa event coming up next week, which we're getting into the spirit for. And I really couldn't be happier with the kind souls of the people that I get to work with every day. Oh, that's so important. I'm so grateful to you for mm-hmm. having the um, with the Christmas list. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to buy for the bed in my life. And Lisa, we, we also know that there's a, a great book that can go on the, the Secret Santa or stocking list. So there I'll is. refer to you to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we are very excited. Before we jump onto that, I do want to ask both of you a question. And Ooh. both of you are global citizens coming to the U.S. over the years. Do you? What is the biggest difference from the East Coast to the West Coast? And I'm interested in that because... You're originally from different locations, and it's just interesting for me to see what you how you distinguish those. Oh, that's a tough one. Probably should have prepped for that. But I, I did have one immediately come to mind, and it's a little not safe for work, but I think it's okay for this lovely audience. Which one thing that I've noticed is that a lot of the time the mass holes, as they called themselves, and as I learned, they were quite proud of that and self-declared that. I don't think I've seen the Californians self-declare themselves in such a way. Do you have anything on that? That's a new new one to me. I think, and I I do not like to generalize, so take this one back to say with a pinch of salt, but certainly the priority on lifestyle is definitely different out in the West Coast. Maybe that's because of the weather, maybe because you've got the beautiful beaches. Mm. And the hiking, but almost every other person I speak to is going somewhere fabulous for the weekend when I'm in the, on the West Coast. Oh. In D.C., and this is where I'm on the East Coast, there's a lot more going on in D.C., right? There's a lot more in terms of, you know, politics, the career, the ambitions. And so I've definitely noticed that my conversations are a little bit different. The quality of life is a little bit different as well, because it's just a lot more outdoors. So I'll just stop with that for a second. The U.K. is a little bit different again. The weather is quite prohibitive there. I don't travel anywhere near as much as you travel in the U.S. A quick jaunt up to New York is nothing, a four-hour drive here. But a four-hour drive would be an annual trip in the U.K., Okay, now I have a next question for you um, to move on to the really what we really want to talk about, too, is your book, which I refer to it as Level Up. But do you, first of all, do you call it Level Up or L-Y-V-C-L? And I just wanted to start with, after the title, how did you do it on your own? Talk a little bit about that process, because I know a lot of people are interested in the process and the idea of writing the book. So how did you go from idea to conception to coming up with this year's big hit? Oh, thank you for that, Lisa. That's so you. And, and thank you for the introduction on that um, to, to segue into that, Hema. That was very clever of you. So the title is, let's be honest, it's a bit of a mouthful. It doesn't really roll off your tongue super well. And Nick Gallo did say to me shortly before it was released, he said, you know that everybody's going to end up referring to this as Level Up, right? And I was like, as I like things done properly, I was, oh, okay, I guess I can handle that. But whenever I refer to it with Sarah Head and the publisher, we use the acronym L-Y-B-C-L. 
It seems faster when you type it and you're not thinking about it so much. And with everybody else, it just seems to be level up. So it's been shortened to that. And after Nick set my expectations, I'm much more accepting of the fact that this is what it's going to be called and not referred to by its full title the whole time. When it came to writing it, one of the things that I was conscious of, and for anyone who's worked with me pretty closely, actually I've worked with each of you in different ways, Hema and I sit on the Compliance Week Advisory Board, and of course Lisa and I have done work together for so long as well as ancillary projects, but I'm a very high-level person, which means that I'm quite terrible at low-level details. I'm not detail-oriented, which is somewhat problematic. (laughs) In light of the kind of work that we do, really need to have people watching over my shoulder half the time to, to point stuff out. And so what concerned me about writing a book for a high-level person that doesn't want to sort of sit there all day t- tapping out stuff on the typewriter is, holy heck, how am I going to be able to write an entire book? And I think it's really important in life to go with our strengths, the things that we like and are good at, and then we, we tend to get better results. So when I focused on what aligned with the things that worked well for me it was those smaller chunks of ideas and information and sharing things and I thought we've already got really great literature in the space that's on the academic side of things the SCCE have got textbooks Tom Fox has released a textbook there are probably people that don't know about that have released textbooks then we've got Christy Grant Hart who really deals with the characteristics and traits basically the most important part of being successful as a compliance officer and I asked myself what was missing in this space and what we tend to derive value from and when I thought about the conferences and things that we attend I realized that a lot of the great ideas that people are implementing in organizations and share with others become really hot topics and so that's what it was the idea of taking nuggets which hit on my strong point of not being able to write eons on just one thing and being able to break that up into all sorts of diversifying different ideas different stories and then working on it bit by bit because I think time is a luxury that we don't tend to have a lot of and it's important to use it very carefully. I would take little snippets of time here and there to work on the individual bite-sized chunks and allow it to come together slowly and and knowing that it was not going to be a quick project. It was a medium to long-term project and that allowed myself to realize that it wasn't all going to come together as fast as I might like to, but that it would eventually happen. So that's basically the, the approach that I took, which is akin to those of us who use the phrase, how do you eat an elephant bit by bit kind of thing. Yeah. How do you pet a porcupine very carefully? <laughs> Since the book has come out, and you've got your hacks. And I remember, and I can't remember the exact number of the hack that somebody came to me during SCCE and said, I really love hack number 37 or something. And I I, I don't know them by number. But with that said, have you gotten any new or other hacks from people or ideas or suggestions that may stick out to you? I'm sure you've gotten many, but some that you were thought were particularly notable. I selected three, especially for the very special quick audience to share, and they're all um, relatively quick fire ones. So the first is an idea from Samantha Callan, Chief Compliance Officer at Stella Health. She implemented an idea within her organization of basically broadening the, the radius of incentives. So when there was someone who had role modeled really good behavior that they would want to recognize in some way, they decided to recognize not only that person, but their 
broader team and give the whole team something like a team lunch. And they theorized that what that would do would be to create chatter among the group of, oh, hey, someone's got us this great lunch. And then you would thank the person for saying, hey, thanks for this opportunity, great lunch kind of thing. And so I really loved the idea of that because it was essentially amplifying the concept of incentives. And incentives are, of course, something that the DOJ have stated that they think should be a part of an effective compliance program in their evaluation guidance. So a great way to hit at that. Second item is from Kim Yapchai, legal compliance ESG expert in the space. And at the Compliance Week conference earlier this year, Kim shared, and I'm paraphrasing, not quoting here, essentially she said, we call it leadership training. We don't call it ethics or compliance training. And the reason for that is that nobody actually thinks that they need ethics and compliance training. It's always the person next to them that does. And so I thought that was really clever. And I don't know what the behavioral science around this is or why, but no one really seems upset about the idea of taking leadership training. It seems like a treat or something that we really want to do to recognize advancing in our careers and that kind of thing. So it's not even just that it, it, it doesn't seem like a chore to take leadership training. It's puffs out chest. I should be in this leadership training because I am a leader. There's that. And then the third item that I wanted to share, Nick Gallo's second mention, GGIC. Nick has worked with companies to incorporate the idea of speaking up to specifically positively call out members of a company. So setting a program around shout outs and positive compliments for colleagues. And what that does is essentially teaches colleagues to speak up in a low stakes way so that when it comes to a high stakes situation, they are trained and primed and familiar with how to speak up when it really matters. So many great examples there, Mary. What really struck me in reading your book is that you just get on with doing the great work of compliance and the book almost writes itself. I don't want to uh, underestimate the effort you put into it, but it sounds like you've got the practice of crowdsourcing the great ideas from our community. Uh, let me say, with Lisa building the community and then crowdsourcing the ideas for them. And just such really practical things. So I, really I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. How have you gone about getting such a vast number of inputs to collect these ideas and then share them with readers? Yeah, that's a great point. So now as after the book is out, I'm I'm keeping my little radar open just in case there might be scope for a further book in the future and gathering these types of things as as such the examples that we just talked about now. At the time, it was more difficult. So I was basically, the secret behind the book is that it was originally intended to be 101 ways to level up your compliance program. That was actually super tricky. And so I was doing it on my own and I'd gotten to a certain point where I'd run out of my own ideas and I thought, oh, I'm nowhere near 101. <laughs> So let me rely on some help from friends. And that's when I started reaching out to people and asking, hey, or thinking back about maybe something that someone had shared on the podcast. For example, Beth Collings' appearance in the book actually comes from something that she said on this podcast. Now I'm better attuned to it, but it actually came about, which is one of the themes of the end of the book, out of necessity, essentially. I needed support. I wasn't going to be enough for me to, to rely upon my myself and my own experiences. And I think that's really important to recognize is that for so many of the things that we get to achieve and work on in life, we might be the ones with our name on the cover, but realistically, the the, the product of, of that book is really from the contributions of so many others in the space, as you so rightly point out. 
one of the things that happened this year that I just really made me think of sort of your tips and how they were incorporated. And it was somewhat by accident at my company where when we were doing compliance week, our, our corporate comms people had very strong views on how to do certain things, and as we know. But somehow what we ended up with is interviewing two or three of our different employees that had really not ever been focused on before from different places all over the world and talked about what being ethical meant to them. Um, and, and they came up with an idea basically starting the article. You are invited to go to a Kansas City Chiefs game and Taylor Swift might be there, which made it a global thing because everybody wants it. And then it's like, then it's a, why is that a problem? And then these people didn't really talk about that, but other things. And we really enjoyed that. And it made me think about, can't say the specific hack number, but just how to incorporate those things. And it was really like an accidental Mary Shirley inspired moment. So I guess with that, what are you doing to level up in 2024? I am going to be a teacher in the formal sense for the first time. So this is a little bit of a crazy thing. I agreed to join the faculty as an adjunct professor at Fordham Law, which was super exciting. Thank you, Barbara Beeler, for the invitation. And then perhaps somewhat stupidly, I agreed also to then become an adjunct professor at George Mason University and teach a class there with my former boss, Lisa Estrada. But the trick to that one is that I wasn't just teaching a class. Lisa and I are supposed to co-write the class, and I've never done that before. So this was already stepping up to a big challenge in terms of that being the first time that I had taught at a, a tertiary education level. Or come to think of it, I've never even taught at kindergarten. I don't know why I'm focusing on the tertiary angle. Being a teacher, frankly, really at all, unless you count the, the times when during the school holidays, I dragged my 18-month younger brother to sit on the floor while we played teacher, and I set him exercises of maths and English things to do. Um, and so this is a big deal because I feel like when it's something you've done many times before, like I don't mind so much getting roped into a speaking session at the last minute because I know I've done speaking sessions before. I know I can do them and it's okay. I don't know if I can be a teacher. And so doubling down and being like, sure, I'll do two classes back to back. So actually when my winter semester finishes, at the Antonin Scalia Law School at George Mason. That's also the first day of class for the spring semester at Fordham. So it's really, I think, pushing the limits of capability. And thankfully, one of the reasons why I thought it would be a good idea to step back from work was to make room for the Fordham opportunity and, and the book and other things that were happening. And I, I think that was really sensible in light of these kind of, I've, I refer to it as pairing forward instead of pairing back. I was supposed to be pairing back, but for when I um, do these pairing forward situations, uh, I'm glad that I've dispersed the time and the resource because quite candidly, I am nervous about uh, what's to come. I'm hoping I can pull it off. I'm hoping I can We'll co-write, of course, a, a class. Okay, but I'm responsible for my lectures in particular. There's a lot. And so I consider that leveling up because it's challenging myself to do something that I'm nervous about, that I know I might not be good at. And that if I do fail, it's going to be in a very public way. And I believe students are very vocal in their feedback when they're not happy. And so you should be at the cost of a university education in the United States. I think you have a right to be able to say, hey, I don't feel like I'm getting my money's worth. So that's how I hope to level up. It'll either be leveling up or falling on my face. We'll see which of, of the two occurs. 
Mary, what a great opportunity for you, but also for these students, very lucky students to have the, the access oh. to you and the, the ability to learn from you. And my, my advice to you would be don't change. <laughs> Do what <laughs> I think the students of today want hacks. They want easily digestible information. They want the benefit of your experience. So I'm very excited. Thank you. If I'm on the on uh, on the west coast, maybe I can come and audit your class. Maybe I'll come back and learn a thing or two. So yeah, very lucky students. And congratulations on those opportunities. Thank you, Emma. Will there be any? The George Mason is is right near here. I guess you're not going to be in person at all, or is that a possibility? Can you imagine? No, there both of the modules will be virtual, which is great. So I get to finish my work day here and then dash home for an evening class, which is great because it allows me to not have it interfere with the day job, which of course is super important to role model that as a compliance professional when it comes to conflicts of interest and so on. So unfortunately, I will miss the opportunity of seeing you in person, but I believe I will be in DC in April. So I look forward to seeing the both of you there. That was a spoiler alert, but I couldn't help but ask. You know me. We have to check <laughs> on that. And really, did you actually growing up sit down and teach math and yeah. to your to your yeah. brother? We we had. I think I would either make up equations myself or set little tasks myself, and would pin up pieces of paper and then write on the marker on the wall so that he could have like his classes. Talk about bossy older sister, right? Like, whew, what a stereotype. As a bossy older sister, I should say, so I don't know what it says about both of us, but I, the thing I clearly remember was deciding my sister needed a haircut and I'd save my mother money by cutting her bangs. So <laughs> you know, there are a lot of different approaches you can have to being a bossy older sister, but that one I can tell you was not my family's favorite. <laughs> okay, I had to ask you about this and I'm asking both of you, I guess I'll share too, is that, one of my favorite tips in Level Up or LYBCL is brazen, brazenly be your kooky self. I know you often talk about your Hello Kitty phone cover, which is world famous at this point. So any other things about your kooky self that are sort of part of that as well? Yeah, you know what's interesting is that is probably the least substantive tip in the entire book, yet it seems to be the one that's been talked about the most. So I'm surprised by the attention that it has gleaned. For me, it has been trying not to care so much about that professional veil that we wear to work. So the things that I like to let shine, I have a very loud laugh. And of course, I try to be conscious of not laughing right in somebody's ear or not standing right outside someone's office as they're on an important call or meeting kind of thing, but just not being self-conscious of, of it and just letting out that bellow and, and feeling the joy of that. And I think the other thing is embracing bright colors. For me, I come from Wellington where a lot of us, we just tend to love grays and blacks, which is odd because when I grew up in Wellington, the, the weather was quite gloomy a lot of the time. And I had an aunt, Auntie Glynn, who has since passed, but she was just super vibrant and it came out in her personality, the way that she spoke. She wore a lot of, of bright colors. And I worked at a, a clothing store when I was 16 for the more advanced in life women. And so Auntie Glenn would come in sometimes and she was through the dull, boring shades and would find the most beautifully colored blouses and wear fuchsia colored 
uh, trousers to match the fuchsia and the blouse kind of thing. And so I've always enjoyed that kind of thing myself. As we speak today, I'm in a leopard print type outfit, Diane von Furstenberg. So I love Diane von Furstenberg, beautiful prints and things. And I think that's an important part of reflecting your personality in, in terms of how you present. And I like for how I present to always be like a calling card that when people see me, they get a feel as to who I am before I even open my mouth and they get to know me as a person. But there is something, some essence of myself reflected in how I present and how I show up to others. You don't want me to follow that, Lisa. That's just amazing. <laughs> It's so right. And as you talk, I think exactly what first impressions is so important. And I think it's simple to say, but the smile is so important. You mentioned it yourself. You start with a smile. I've never seen you without a smile. <laughs> you certainly greet with a smile. Even when you, we've got serious things to talk about, we feel the warmth and the love first. So thank you so much for that. That's beautiful. I was thinking about my kooky moments. It's funny you talk about the Hello Kitty phone because my children are very much into Hello Kitty right now. So under the Christmas tree will be a lot of Sanrio Hello Kitty. In fact, my, my daughters are demanding that I take them to Japan, to Poro Land, which is apparently the Disney of Sanrio. So Hello Kitty is very much on my mind. But I think for me, I'm, I tend to be a decade behind in <laughs> quite proud <laughs> And so one of the things I'm a decade or maybe two behind now is on the use of hashtags. For some reason, I've started talking in hashtags a lot. They just seem to be so efficient, back to the point of people and the way they digest information. My teams often find me talking in hashtags. I obviously use them a lot on LinkedIn. Things like not on my watch <laughs> will be one of the things. Speak up. Um, hashtag we care happened to be so important to me that it made it as the title of our code of conduct that we just rewrote. Mm -hmm. So there are hashtags all through it. So that's one thing. I don't have a MySpace anymore, but I definitely am a bit behind on technology. As much as I love the new stuff, I tend to catch on late. I'm probably a bit skeptical to begin with for the first decade, and then I've passed my prime and I, start, I sign on. I have them with my iPhone, for example. The other one, I think, I used to work at Snapchat, as you probably know, so I got very much into the emojis and the bitmojis. So I tend to do all of my greetings, my Thanksgiving, my Merry, happy holidays, happy Mother's Day, whatever it is, they're always a bitmoji. So if I've got your um, phone number, beware, there'll be a bitmoji coming your way. <laughs> Fair and square, here are a couple of mine. One is generally, my, the Beastie Boys are my favorite band ever, and anyone who knows me for some period of time gets to know that. So I often will throw Beastie Boys references or quotes into things, which will crack me up and the other people who get it sometimes or don't. It's even funnier. And that just reminded me of something that happened the other day. I also really love hip hop music that nobody really thinks I would know or like. And I, it was my birthday earlier in the week and I did a workout and then the instructor who knows me really well put together, I thought it was the greatest playlist ever. And he said, two people asked him on the way out, does she really like those songs or did you just say that? And he's no. So I throw that music quirk taste into things. I guess the other thing is having grown up in Buffalo I talk about the Buffalo Bills a lot in football, Amer and I call it American football now because I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing that, and I have over the years being global, that there really isn't a football in football. So that to me, for a few minutes, because these are just part of things that make me, I guess they're kooky, but they also make me connect as more of a human person. These are my little weird things. And I guess my last one is everybody knows, not everybody, but a lot of people, and you may have heard earlier, you know, my dog. He appears in a lot of events um, and experiences, and he's this cute little guy. And so I always like to see if I can sneak him into a presentation or mention it at some point. And, and to me, that's just fun because it was the first time I had a pet. And it, these are just things that I think all of us, as we talked about these different things to us, 
are things that just make it a little unique and make you, I, I, when I started, you didn't, people didn't show their kooky or even semi-kooky self. And you were always, and Mary talked earlier about it, about being your true genuine self. It, it helps get there when they, they differentiate you. So that was mine. So with that, I think we've taken up enough of everybody's time and particularly two people today and at the end of the year. So I thought we could all end up with a couple of ending comments. Emma, do you want to start? Just firstly, happy birthday, Lisa. <laughs> and thank you so much to both of you for the community you've created. I've said it before, but it's just been such an important thing. And I think as Mary's demonstrated through describing her book, community brings practical crowdsourcing and skills that we can all level up everybody's game, as it were. So I'm just so grateful to those of you that have been sharing your tips. I would encourage you to pick up your copy of the book if you haven't already. I have it on my Kindle, on my phone as a handy reference. Take some of those, even the, as you said, the non-substantive tips can sometimes be the most impactful. And you remember what we're doing here. We're changing lives. We're having big impact at scale. And so there's there's always time to think about how we can do that better and improve. So thank you to you, Mary, for what you've contributed. And to both of you for your prior publications. They've certainly shaped my career. Mary and our host Emeritus. I love that word. Um, thank you, Lisa. Oh, Emma, that was wonderful. Thank you for your kind comments. I, I really want to say I think you guys have done such a fantastic job transitioning to the next chapter of GWIC. I love seeing the marketing collateral, the branding stuff coming out. Really nice, fresh change. Hema, I couldn't be happier that you are joining Lisa and really showcasing the way forward. I think you're a really eloquent speaker. You have a lovely sense of humor and you just are within the spirit of what Lisa and I hoped to achieve with Great Women in Compliance and the theme of sending the elevator back down. Really pleased that it's you that is, is continuing the journey and hold the torch with Lisa. Lisa, this has been amazing. I'm so thrilled that we managed to come full circle this year with us starting the, the podcast for the 2024 year, the both of you continuing it on and then having the opportunity to be a guest today is really just very special. And it's touching for me to, to be here today. So thank you to all of the listeners who have stuck with us from the beginning, continued the journey and have joined us today. I wish you the most beautiful holiday season and a really successful, productive and happy 2024 ahead. And with that, I don't think there's that much for me to add, but I am so fortunate to work with both of you. And more importantly, that call it, call you good friends. And we've almost become my favorite word, family, like friends who are family. We've, we've been through it. And in some ways, Mary, you and I had so much fun this year that I don't think that was just really special, extraordinary getting from different places. And Hema, since you've joined and as we've tried to keep the same, but a little bit of different after 200 episodes, I can't tell you how special, it was a little scary at first, I'll just say, I'm not always great with change, the way it's gone and the fact that we have this community that we're able to keep building in lots of different ways. My, my father has always talked a lot about roots and wings, and I feel like this group has given me both. So I want to say thank you to you all. And also on behalf of all three of us, to the listeners, to our community for the ongoing support, the great men in compliance as you call them, the great gentlemen in compliance, more polite than me, but to Tom Fox, the Compliance Podcast Network, and to Corporate Compliance Insights for sponsoring us, and mostly to the whole GWIC community. I, I think all three of us are just so thrilled about it. So with that, I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday. We'll be back in the new year, and I can't wait to see what you all are doing other than GWIC-related things in 2024. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.